This episode is sponsored by Nor Shipping, the must-attend place to be for networking, knowledge sharing, and building partnerships. And it's your arena for ocean solutions. Nor Shipping is taking place at Lillestrom and Oslo, Norway from the 6th to the 9th of June. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to talk about a link between sanctions and the risk of oil spills. When tankers carrying Iranian oil take steps to obscure where that commodity is going, Claire Youngman and her team are watching. Youngman is chief of staff at United Against Nuclear Iran, or UANI, where she also runs the organization's program to track ships that carry Iranian oil and petrochemicals, which are subject to sanctions. Yuani established its own ship tracking methodology to track all of Iran's oil exports, you know, in addition to petrochemical transfers, pretty much any vessel that's traveling in Iranian waters, loading an Iranian port um, in an Iranian ship-to-ship transfer of Iranian oil, we are tracking it. One of the things that Yuani often sees is this. Two tankers meet in the waters of the Middle East or Asia to carry out a ship-to-ship transfer of an oil cargo. Vessels are supposed to use what's called an Automatic Information System, or AIS, to broadcast their location to other vessels. But AIS is also one of the tools used to track where ships and their cargoes are going. And so one of the ways to prevent that is to turn off a ship's AIS transponder or use other means to hide the cargo transfer. Usually one vessel will have its AIS on in the location of the transfer, but the other one will have it off or it's tampering to make it appear like it's somewhere else. And, you know, that makes it so they're not going to pop up on different ship tracking platforms as engaged in a ship to ship transfer. Um, And it's really, you know, without that satellite imagery, you wouldn't be able to detect that this is occurring. Again, we see this almost daily off of off Singapore and and Malaysia and, and pretty much weekly in the Persian Gulf. Youngman said the oil will effectively then be rebranded to make it harder to determine where it came from, with forged documents backing that up. These ship-to-ship transfers have been happening for years to get around sanctions against Iran, but more was to come after this happened in February of last year. It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Gunfire and explosions have been heard here and in the second city of Kharkiv shortly after the Russian President Vladimir Putin authorized a special... Russia's invasion of Ukraine was followed by multiple rounds of sanctions by the U.S., the U.K., the E.U., and other countries. That includes the latest rules aiming to prevent Moscow from profiting from the invasion by allowing shipping to get involved with Russian energy exports as long as the oil is purchased under a price cap. And that has fueled a boom in what some call dark operations that include ship-to-ship transfers with AIS shut off, as well as more sophisticated methods of hiding the location of those tankers. And it's led to the growth of a fleet of vessels operating in a world of lower safety and regulatory norms, as well as questionable insurance. Put it all together, and you get the risk of oil spills. Those have thankfully become a rarity in recent years, but shipping experts are worried that what's going on now in response to sanctions regimes is a disaster waiting to happen. 
Tradewinds reported recently that the governments of several countries, including the US, UK, and Australia, have called on the International Maritime Organization, or IMO, to crack down on furtive ship-to-ship -ship transfers. They said moving oil from one vessel to another at sea while engaged in dark operations like turning off AIS transponders or location tampering increases the risk of oil spills. And they threaten global efforts to hold shipping companies liable for spilling oil. Mike Salthouse is the head of external affairs for North Standard, a protection and indemnity insurance club. He told me there is a pollution risk in any ship-to-ship -ship transfer, but they are done routinely in shipping, and there's a lot of experience in the industry on how to do them properly and in a safe place. I think um, the, the real question is where are those SDSs happening? Why are they being disguised? And is part of that disguise taking it to a remote location, turning off your AIS, actually uh, you know, enhancing the risk of a spill as part of that, that operation? I think all those questions could, could be answered in the, in the affirmative. Why they might be happening in unsuitable locations um, away from the reach of coastal states might be because they are taking cargoes which are unlawful under Western sanctions, moving them across a number of vessels um, so that they eventually end up um, unbeknown to the receiving vessel as um, ostensibly either a cargo that's not from Russia subject to the price cap or Iran or wherever it happens to be you know, and, and is otherwise legitimate and you're duping and you're therefore laundering that cargo. All of a sudden it just moved from being an unlawful cargo as per Western sanctions to a lawful cargo misdescribed on a, on a respectable vessel that everybody's happy dealing with. And and the and covert STS, STS in dangerous locations is 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 probably part of that process. Then there's the risk that if there is pollution from one of these transfers, the shipping companies involved in a covert operation will not want to own up to it. Ami Daniel is chief executive of Windward, which provides shipping companies with technology tools to protect themselves from inadvertently running afoul of sanctions. He said his company is increasingly seeing what he describes as a daisy chain of ship-to-ship -ship transfers. Russian oil might spend three months in storage in one vessel off Malaysia then it will be transferred to another vessel off Indonesia, where it sits for a month before another transfer off the United Arab Emirates. And if, through that chain of operations, the boil can fetch $20 per barrel more, that could mean $15 million to $17 million in profit from the original price. So I think people don't necessarily understand these unit economics and don't understand the size of the price, if you will. I think once you break it down like that, you understand that, that there is a very strong incentive to do these daisy, daisy chains of ship-to-ship -ship transfers. And hiding the location of the vessels involved in these transfers has grown increasingly sophisticated. Youngman said that after the Trump administration put out an advisory in 2020 about deceptive shipping practices, including disabling AIS transponders, Iran upped its game because ships could lose their flag or insurance if they turned off their signals. So there's definitely been an, an evolution from disabling to now this manipulation, spoofing or um, tampering, not only with ship to ship transfers, but I would say 80 to 90 percent of the vessels that load from ports directly in Iran are also spoofing or tampering with their transponders. You know, we see this. We've, we also see it come out of Venezuela. A vessel will look like it's anchored in Chinese waters, but will really be at a port in Venezuela loading. Um, so really, there's a, a number of different ways that they're doing this. And as covert ship-to-ship -ship transfers proliferate, so grows the fleet of tankers involved in sanctioned trades. At Tradewinds, we've long reported on what's called the dark fleet or shadow fleet, or even the ghost fleet of ships that stay outside of regulatory norms to carry sanctioned cargoes. 
The recent explosion of the tanker Pablo off Malaysia highlights the risk of such vessels. The Pablo's insurance coverage was unclear. Its owner was unknown. It had jumped from shipping flag to shipping flag. Although some oil turned up on the shore of nearby Indonesia, a major spill was averted because it was not carrying a cargo at the time. The oil may have been bunker fuel, but there is also what's called the Grave Fleet, a term to describe the variety of circumstances in which ships get involved in Russian oil trades. Since the price cap allows ships to carry such crude and oil products if they follow the rules. Daniel said the Dark Fleet is carrying 20% more barrels since the war in Ukraine started, and the Gray Fleet has seen a 70% increase. 70% more oil means more work. More work means more risk. I think the longer this goes, the bigger the risk. So is there anything that can be done about the risks posed by tankers involved in sanctioned trades? North Standard Salthouse said he doesn't like terms like dark fleet or dark operations to describe the vessels and tactics that have emerged following the Russian invasion. That's because he says dark fleet is a pejorative term that he says is used to sell sanctions compliance software or, sorry Tradewinds, newspapers. It's not unlawful to carry Russian crude after all, and some countries don't recognize the price cap. What he sees instead is the emergence of a parallel fleet designed for a specific trade, and it has lower standards for safety and the environment. So I asked him whether there's a way to incentivize that parallel market to lift those standards. Well, I think that's very difficult because um, they've deliberately put themselves beyond the reach of um, Western um, financial services businesses and, and Western governments because um, they don't actually want to, to improve their standards. They don't actually want not to carry those, those, those particular cargoes. So, you know, that's, a, that's really a question for government, and it depends just how aggressive and intrusive they, they, they want to be. I think the risk for good mainstream shipping is that these, these measures are policed through us. They're policed by punishing a ship owner um, who engages with that shipping. Uh, they're policed by punishing a bank or an insurer who um, engage with that type of shipping. Um, and the risk that we all run with whether you're the good ship owner, the good PI club or the good good bank is that there are simply occasions now where you get caught out, no matter how good your compliance processes are, you get caught out. And the consequences are potentially very serious for all of us. After all, he told me, most ship owners and insurers want to do the right thing. Winwards Daniel said the tanker vetting that oil companies use to ensure safety standards is conservative and it does not move as quickly as compliance risk. So my advice to all the executives listening to this podcast is, I think you should probably think above and beyond the vetting mechanisms. He said sanctions compliance risk should be part of the vetting that is done for safety purposes. For Yuani's youngmen, flag states need to do their due diligence. The group estimates that Panama, which has the world's largest registry of ships, is the flag for 43% of the vessels suspected of carrying Iranian oil. There's clearly some type of due diligence gap happening there where they're continuing to flag vessels tra transporting Iranian oil. And at the same time, of those 43%, numerous vessels there are manipulating those transponders or disabling the transponders. We would like to see the flag states be held accountable or to take action on these vessels, which in turn will make it harder for the regime to transport this oil and sell its oil. She wants Panama to pull these vessels from its shipping flag. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. 
highlighting those dangers of older vessels carrying Russian energy exports, a product tanker lost power off Denmark on Monday. The situation led to fears of a spill of that Russian fuel from the tanker Canis Power, which was built in 2005. Read about it at tradewindsnews.com. The Green Seas newsletter explored the nuances of prospects for ammonia as a marine fuel. If you put safety questions aside, it looks feasible for specific situations, such as the iron ore trade from Western Australia to the Far East, but it may not work for all situations, and those safety concerns loom large. Sign up for the newsletter at tinyurl.com slash greenseas. Rechart reported that in an international first, the Netherlands has shut down offshore wind turbines in the North Sea in an effort to allow migrating birds to pass safely. The turbines were halted for four hours at a time when an influx of birds was predicted. Read about it at rechargenews.com. Music for this episode is by Cube Sounds.